Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. So like I said in the host moment, in this current series, we're looking at five organic, natural, very accessible steps to feel better equipped uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we started this series last week, uh, this series called Bless, and we saw that if our, it's in our hearts to help another person to understand the saving love of Jesus, the, the first step is to begin praying. Begin with prayer. That was the B. And that wasn't just something we grabbed out of the sky. That was something we saw in the life and example of Jesus. Begin with prayer. The authors of this book that uh, much of this material is coming out of uh, include this quote, and I said it last week. We should be talking to God about our neighbors before we're talking to our neighbors about God. Isn't that something? We should be talking to God about our neighbors before we're talking to our neighbors about God. The discipleship resource that we had available from last week was that block map that had the uh, nine squares, our home or our, our person is in the middle, and then we have eight squares around it where we were encouraged to jot down the names of the people that live around us, the eight homes around us, or the eight people that work around us, or the eight people that we sit with in the calf at school, eight people that we can begin now to be in prayer for. Well, today's installment of this series moves forward from there, moves from B in bless to L, and L stands for listen with compassion. Listen with compassion. In the book uh, that I just held up that, you know, that uh, Dave and John Ferguson have prepared with this material in it, the section that starts out today's topic actually includes this whole section about uh, misheard song lyrics and how easy it is. And how if we're not listening to what we're hearing, it can lead to all kinds of confusion and misunderstanding. And they use a couple of examples. You know, for over 50 years, people have listened to Creedence Clearwater Revival and wondered about the bathroom on the right. That's not what it says. Or they've listened to Sergeant Pepper, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and wondered what it means that a girl with colitis goes by. Actual words are the girl with kaleidoscope eyes, and I'm not even sure that that makes any more sense than, than the, the misheard lyrics. And church music is no different. I once, I once knew a person who seemed 100% certain that the hymn that goes, uh, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, they were in fact 100% sure that it was love Lipton tea. Now you're never going to be able to unhear that, by the way. When, when, when you hear that hymn, you're welcome. The whole reason that the authors started off with these misheard lyrics is just a humorous way to say, you know what, if you're not listening, you can, you can pick up some misinformation. You can be mis, misled and misguided. You can hear, but not be listening. Song lyrics notwithstanding, being a good listener for other people, with other people. It, it actually requires two main elements, uh, practice and intentionality. 
right? We have to actually work on it. We have to actually purposely stop and practice listening with compassion. Most of us have been guilty, I think, of listening strictly with the intention of responding. I'm just waiting until their lips stop moving so I can say what I want to say. But I'm not actually listening. The better we listen, the more we understand, the clearer that it becomes for us to then know the way, the best way to bless the person that we're listening to. Listening is an enormous first step. But when we're too busy, when we're too busy to engage, when we're, when we're not listening actively, when we're thinking about other things, when I'm looking over your shoulder while you're talking to me, while I'm scrolling my phone while you're trying to get my attention, I'm not listening. When we're convinced that we already know all there is to know anyway, we're not listening. When we're more concerned with what our response is going to be than what the other person is actually expressing, we're not listening. We can deliver with our body language, simply body language, that whatever a person is sharing with us is not all that interesting to us. Just our simple body language can express that. If someone has to ask you, are you listening? You aren't. And if they say, are you listening? Take it from me. Don't say, yeah, I heard you. Because those are two different things. Listening and hearing are not the same thing. Hearing only requires ears and an ability to understand audible sounds. Listening takes the heart. It's a calculated decision, a focused activity. When our hearts are open and willing to listen and then react with compassion to the lived experience of another person, that's when we're listening. And I'm going to repeat this over and over again. We're listening because we truly want to bless this person and to see them blessed by God. Let me give you this other quote. True listening may be the kindest and most loving gift you can give someone. I always say, you can never do anyone any damage by listening. It is the second you open your mouth that you wade into dangerous territory. Just listen, right? As with every human experience that we're going to face, Jesus showed us how to listen. He showed us the way of listening to others. And I mean, just think about it. If you're familiar at all with the New Testament Gospels, think about the number of times we encountered Jesus listening. People around him doing tons of talking. Jesus is listening. He says very little. In one instance, he just walks through this angry crowd that wanted to kill him. In another instance, he just kneels down and scribbles something in the sand to another angry mob. And Mark 9, where I want to go this morning first, is another one of those scenes This is Jesus listening. Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14 to 27. Uh, If you want to turn there, uh, hi, Connie. Connie from Ontario is here. Hi, nice to see you. Connie's from my former church. See what you did, Connie? Now I have no idea what we were talking about. Mark 9, 14 to 27. We encounter Jesus and his 12 disciples arriving at this certain location. They're finding a large crowd there, people being spoken at, spoken to by the local Jewish teachers of God's laws. And an interesting thing happens when the crowd sees Jesus coming their way. We're going to pick up at Mark 9, 14. 
When they came uh, to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's often, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and stood up. That crowd had been listening to the, the speechifying, the lecturing, the verbal posturing of these teachers of the law, because that's what the teachers of the law did. And they see Jesus. And they rush over to him. And Jesus does what Jesus so frequently did. He invites the crowd into a conversation with him. He says, what are you arguing with them about? That single opening question, Jesus' willingness to then stop and listen to the answer, are our first indicators this morning of what an active listener Jesus was. He asked simple questions, and then he compassionately listened to the answers. We know, of course, there's not a question that Jesus asked that he didn't already know the answer to. That's not the point. The questions weren't for his benefit anyway for the benefit of the one being asked. Verse 16, verse 19, verse 21, verse 23, all of them show Jesus drawing out the stories of the people, and most specifically from one particular man, from the crowd. Jesus knew his problem. He knew his son's problem. He knew the solution. He knew what was about to unfold, and still Jesus stops what he's doing and listens with compassion to the distraught father. Someone listening to that father in that moment was probably more than the entire crowd had been prepared to do right up to that point. Just listen. Jesus stops and he listens. Miraculously, the boy is supernaturally healed. The demon is cast out. And when it looked like the boy was dead, Jesus helps him to stand. This whole scene, this miraculous, incredible, beautiful scene opens up with the Jewish teachers of the law doing a lot of talking and taking very little action. The scene concludes with Jesus having talked very little and letting his healing actions speak for themselves. 
I, I can think of several other healings Jesus performs where he's face to face with another person, uh, like the man from Jericho in the next chapter, the man who had no sight. It's in chapter 10, uh, verses 46 to 52. This is Jesus once again asking a question and drawing out a person's felt need and then acting on that articulated need accordingly. Chapter 10, starting at verse 46. When they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Check out verse 51 here. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Seems like such an obvious question, doesn't it? But remember, the question isn't for Jesus' benefit. It's for the benefit of the one being asked. It's an empowering question. Jesus can see the man's physical condition. So can everybody else. The blind man likely can't work to earn a living, so there he is each day through the generosity of passers-by on the street. One day he cries out to Jesus when he realizes that it's Jesus who's passing by him, and he asks Jesus to have mercy on him. There's a lot of voices in this particular scene. The voice of the man crying to the Lord, the voices of the crowd telling the man to be quiet, and in the midst of it all, the voice of Jesus who says, call him. In other words, bring him to me. Again, Jesus knows the problem, he knows the solution, he knew what he was about to do, and yet he listens with compassion, again, more than the crowd around him had been willing to do. Jesus gives the man the dignity of articulating for himself what's going on in his life and what he felt he needed. What do you want me to do for you, he asks. And by asking that single invitational, compassionate question, Jesus is making space for someone so badly in need of compassion to voice for themselves what it was that was burdening them the most, what they were feeling most deeply and what they believed they needed in response. To put it simply, Jesus didn't just hear a man crying out because everybody else could hear that. Jesus listened. He heard his heart, heard his words, saw his heart. And that, that right there, that's what I'm on about this morning when I'm talking about our need to listen with compassion to the ones around us. Every day, we can see political parties, we can see world governments, we can see competing religious convictions, we can see competing labor convictions, arguments about rights and responsibilities, so many polarizing positions where the ones on this side are shouting at the ones on that side and the ones on that side don't trust the ones on that side and we hear rhetoric and we hear accusation and we hear condemnation and we hear judgment. What we don't see is people listening to one another. 
listening with compassion. I'm afraid I don't see much of that. Maybe you do, and if you do, I'm glad for that. I'm, I'm just becoming more and more convinced as I get older that it's far more profitable to adopt a listening posture toward those we might disagree with or who we don't know the lived experience of. That opens far more doors of opportunity for future learning and future conversations than shouting into the abyss about what you feel is wrong with the world or that person or their worldview. Naturally, of course, that works best when the courtesy of listening is extended in both directions. But let's move on from listening that's needed within the world to an even more vital act of listening that I want us to uh, keep in mind this morning. I'm talking about the additional intentional listening that we ought to be doing as followers of Christ. This listening impacts, but it goes beyond evangelizing our neighbors or learning from those that hold philosophical differences from our own. This particular act of listening is tied to our unique and personal relationship with God's Holy Spirit. It's He, within the committed Christ follower, who guides, comforts, and convicts. It's He that prompts the believer toward action and at times closes doors that forces the believer towards patient inaction and a period of waiting for God's perfect timing. James, the brother of Jesus, and who later was the leader in the Jerusalem council, talks about this exact thing in the New Testament book that bears his name. In the first chapter uh, and in, uh, by verse 19, we read James saying the same thing that we've been hearing this morning. From verses 19 to 25 of James chapter 1, James speaks about the importance of listening, not just hearing, listening, and then through the Holy Spirit, having listened and understood God's message, to then act on it accordingly. Verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Listening to the prompting of God and then acting on that prompting. That's how God intends us to live. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Our world our world, it seems, has incrementally allowed that directive to be turned upside down. So that now, being quick to speak, to hit reply first, to hit forward, to hit share, that's the first thing we do. And all the reflective and active listening, if done at all, happens way down the line after much relational damage has already been done because of the original failure to listen actively first. To listen compassionately, which is what James says in verse 25. That's where the blessing is to be found. 
That's where our ability to be a blessing is rooted. So, coming back to this series, in your prayer times, as you begin this evangelism strategy with prayer, are you speaking more or are you listening more in your prayers? In your times of prayer for those eight people on your block map, what's the Spirit been saying to you as you've been praying for those neighbors of yours? What encouragement have you received from listening purposefully to the Spirit? What conviction has come through your willingness to be quick to listen to the Spirit and being slow to fill the prayer time with speaking? Now think about those eight people on your block map. What might it mean for you to engage those same neighbors with that same attitude of listening and compassion? What might happen if you could listen with compassion to your Buddhist neighbors? to your Muslim neighbors, to your neighbors from various ethnic cultures, different generational cultures, different socioeconomic cultures, your neighbor that just arrived on the island as a newcomer from a distant country who knows no one, struggles with the language, has no one to depend on. What could happen if you just stopped and listened? Naturally, we're mainly talking in this series about reaching out from within a Christian culture into what, statistically speaking, is likely to be a non-Christian culture, because that's what Jesus said to do, and so we do that. But the larger point being made today is that the kind of reaching out, uh, that needs to begin with prayer and then move to listening with compassion. Let me wrap up by just pointing something out to you here, because it struck me when I was preparing this message. We've been talking about evangelism in this series. We've been talking about reaching out with the good news about Jesus, and make no mistake, that is the call on the life of every Christian believer. But when that conversation comes up, the first objection normally voiced by people to evangelizing is along the lines of, oh, I don't know what to say. Oh, well, I don't have a degree in biblical studies. What if they ask a question I can't answer? I don't know enough about the Bible myself to go and then sharing its content with others. I don't know if that sounds familiar, if you recognize that in yourself. But keep in mind that today is the second of these five steps in this process of loving our neighbors well. We're 40% through this study and we're not even talking about talking. We're not even talking about talking. We said nothing so far about verbally offering anything to our neighbors. We've begun with prayer. It means we've already been talking a lot to God about our neighbor. But as it relates to that neighbor, our first order of business should be listening. Listening with compassion. Not just hearing, definitely not debating, certainly not judging. Listening with compassion, inviting, drawing out their story, asking simple, open-ended questions. How can I help you? What can I do to help you right now? Then stop talking and redouble your efforts at listening. Listen to their heart. Listen to their story. Listen to their story. Not the story you think they should have, the story you wish they were living. Listen to the story that is in them now. Jesus asked questions of a man with a demon-possessed son. It wasn't an interview. It wasn't an interrogation. It wasn't a reconnaissance or a fact-finding mission to get as many details as possible about the life of this man in order to craft a smooth gospel presentation. 
It was just an invitation for the man to experience something that he wasn't experiencing very much of at that time, to be listened to, to be heard and listened to when he spoke. Jesus asked the man who was blind what it was that he wanted Jesus to do. The question, of course, asked for the benefit of the man who'd been crying out for mercy. The crowd shouted the man down at first. They were quick to speak, slow to listen. Jesus' example is the better way. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. We would do well to live our lives that way, to be a blessing to our neighbors that way, to listen patiently to them with compassion, and in doing that, then earn the opportunity somewhere down the line to invitationally, verbally point them to the hope of Christ, because that is the greatest blessing the world could ever receive. Now, as the worship team comes back together this morning, let me just wrap up by saying I I said earlier that Listening with compassion requires intentionality and it requires practice. And so I want to help you practice that, this discipline this week. Uh, the discipleship resource that's in our church app has a series of questions that I want to commend to you. Don't let this message just be the end of this conversation for you. Become better equipped to bless your neighbors in the name of Jesus. Use that resource Reflect on the questions included there. Maybe be part of one of our two weekly connect groups on this topic. As I said during host moment, Tuesday night in person here, Wednesday night online. Well, next Sunday, in week three of this series, we're going to encounter that third letter in the word bless. The letter E, which is a call for us to follow the model of Jesus in yet another way that involves our neighbors. And, Baptists, you're going to love this, eat together. We did a whole series back in the spring about Jesus at the table. Jesus did a lot of profound kingdom work while at a meal table. While we're praying for our neighbors, we're seeking opportunities to listen compassionately to our neighbors, now comes a call to practice hospitality by setting an honored place at the table for our neighbor. What that can look like, why this action is important in our evangelism efforts, well, that's going to be our focus in part three. Sunday. You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching Podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.